Welcome to the Land of Etheria. Season 1, The Shattering. Episode 46, Saving Alamia. Once upon a time, in the Land of Etheria, there was a Princess Nea and a Princess Lulu, and they went on the most amazing adventures. Scorch had just turned into stone underwater, and Princess Nea and Lulu needed to find the last Devorian crystal in order to save him. Luckily, Hazel was going to give the black crystal to the last keeper, as soon as they could find her. With Hazel's promise to hand over the black crystal, Princess Nea, Lulu, Finn, and Corin still needed to find the last keeper. Luckily, Simon, aka the Shadow Man, was there and had some guidance. You must find Tuck. He has been working with the last keeper, the Shadow Man informed them. Where? Tuck is back on the mainland, at Cedar Landing, preparing the warriors. The ogres are on the move, but there are others too. Darkness continues to spread across Etheria, and they are getting ready. What is happening? asked Lulu. Fear and greed are driving Aetherians to fight and to conquer. Fear can drive us, and greed prompts us to take what isn't ours, and only think of ourselves. The Shadow Man looked at the elf next to him. Hazel had been on a long journey of thinking only of herself, and trying to get back the purple Aquarian crystal. If anyone knew the temptation of power, she did. He continued, We know that Alamia and the Dwarf Mining Camp have been targets. Lady Jewel of Alamia has run out of thistleweed, something she needs to maintain a protective barrier around the ocean ruins, and Alamia. What if I know where to get some thistleweed? Finn asked. Then, Finn of Neverstone Deep, that would be of great service, Simon responded. Finn looked at the princesses and Corin. I know where there's more thistleweed. It's not far from here. If they need some, we should head out there before going back to the mainland and bring some to Lady Jewel. Might I also suggest that you use your crystals to restore the ocean ruins? Said the Shadow Man. Everyone agreed that finding Tuck and the Last Keeper was important, but that helping Alamia and bringing another infusion of power to the ocean ruins through the Tornadian and Blazian crystals, would do a mighty blow to bring in a healthy balance to Etheria. You mentioned the Dwarf Mining Camp, Nea asked. Is that all we know? That the ogres are attacking? Hazel spoke up. She had spent some time with the enemy, and she was well aware of their plan. The ogres and the trolls are planning to attack, yes. They know about the temples, and would rather destroy the last one than let Etheria be restored. Ruby is working on getting as much help as she can find to fight off King Baloff, the Shadow Man said. But I fear it won't be enough to fend off the Ogre Horde. They are great fighters, and there are many of them. They nodded, then went their way, but not before Corrin and Hazel hugged. Finn faced the team and shared that they would need to head a little bit north to the Bonatou Trench. 
He explained that they would need to be very, very careful, as there were strong currents around the trench that could easily pull them down into the great abyss. As they traveled up to the trench, they began to feel stronger and stronger currents pulling them in different directions. Some directions they wanted to go. Other directions pulled them back to where they came from. At one point, Corrin lost his footing and got pulled off the sea trail and into an undertow. Immediately, Nea reached out and grabbed his hand, only to get pulled away herself. Corrin! Nea! Lulu yelled, but it was too late. Nea and Corrin had both been picked up by the current and were being carried across the seafloor. The speed was too fast for anyone to grab them in time. Halfway across the seafloor, Nea had an idea. Corin, she said. Maybe we can use our crystals to control the currents. A current exists because of wind and different water temperatures, just like tornadoes. Whoosh. Nea spoke as they flew through the current holding hands. What if we drop them? Corin asked nervously, referring to the crystals. Whoosh. Again, flying through the water. Both of them were yelling by now over the sound of the rushing water carrying them throughout the sea. We need to trust the crystals. I don't think they react to gravity in the world like we do, Nea shouted back, pulling out her glowing red Blazian crystal. And as she did, Corin pulled his gray crystal out, very timidly. They both circled and spun around the seafloor in the water holding hands. They closed their eyes and tried to relax and let the power of the crystals calm the water. When they did, the crystals began to glow and then circle each other, creating a powerful gray and red light that started to encase the keepers. The power of the crystals then slowed down the current and redirected them. Let's concentrate on getting back to Finn and Lulu, Nea said between breaths. Corin nodded. They began to slowly float behind their crystals, which led them back on the path they came from. When they made it back to Lulu and Finn, the two of them couldn't believe their eyes. We thought we'd lost you, Lulu said, running over to her sister and giving her a big hug. How did you guys do that? Your crystals? Finn asked. I remembered that the same forces that create tornadoes in the air create currents under the sea, Nea said. So we gave it a shot. Hmm. Maybe we can use all of our crystals to get to the, the Soweed forest faster, Lulu said. Why not try, Finn agreed. So they all four pulled out their glowing crystals, which floated underwater in front of them. The crystals began to swirl around each other, using their elemental powers to heat up and move the water around them. Eventually, there was enough momentum, and the crystals began to pull the adventurers through the water and over the Banatu Trench. At first, it took some getting used to, balancing with all the water pushing them from behind. But eventually, they all got used to it. It felt like they were flying through the water. They watched as schools of fish and other beautiful underwater sea creatures flew by. Look at that, Corn said pointing to a large stone monument down in the trench. That's where the sea beast rests, Finn answered. The sea beast? Corrin asked. Yeah, a big, huge sea beast, Finn replied. We don't want to wake it up. 
Before he could say any more, the current they were riding started to slow down and gently sent them on the ground near the thistleweed patch. Now we have to be very careful. The thistleweeds are rare and very sensitive. If you step too close, it will close up its thistle and burrow back into the ground. We won't be able to dig them back up either. They have very deep roots. What do they look like? asked Lulu. The thistles are bright purple and pink, but they blend in with the coral around here. If you think you see one, wave me over and we can make sure we pick the thistle before it burrows back into the ground. If we time it wrong, we'll have to wait a week before they'll begin to grow back up. So the adventurers looked around the thistleweed patch. At first, Corin thought he found one, but it was just a piece of coral. Then Nea thought she was close to a small patch of them, only to be told they were fool's thistles instead. Then finally Lulu, who was just about done searching for a thistleweed, found three of them all right next to each other. In all honesty, she walked right past them, not realizing they were what they needed. The only reason she stopped was because she saw a beautiful little seahorse swim by and hover right above them, which brought them to her attention. Immediately, Finn swam over and very delicately reached over and plucked all three buds with one foul swoop and put them in a little pouch. As they were getting ready to leave, Nea noticed two more near her. Again, Finn swam over very quietly and plucked them before they had a chance to retreat. This should do it, he said. There's even extra in case we need more. And they all nodded, proud that they had made the journey and would be able to help Lady Jewel create a barrier to protect Alamia from attackers. Now that they knew how to harness the Tornadian and Blazing Crystals to travel fast underwater, they found the trip back to Alamia a breeze, or should I say a current. Back at the castle, Lady Jewel was there to greet them, and eagerly took the thistles, and with her supply of dianthus root and a few other ingredients, created a protective barrier all around Alamia. But there was something else she needed to do. She needed to create a protective barrier around the ocean ruins, too. So they all traveled to the ocean temple, so she could create another protective barrier around it. The keepers also used their crystals to restore the elements of wind and fire to that temple as well. Now they were ready to go to Cedar Landing and meet back up with Tuck and figure out who the last keeper was. The End. The Land of Etheria is produced by a father-daughter team and made possible in part to its supporting fans. It's contributions from fans like you that keep the adventure going. If you enjoy The Land of Etheria and would like to see more episodes, please visit us at www.thelandofetheria.com and consider supporting the podcast. Thank you and have a great day.